0: The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host, Jesus Moreno, sits down with executive producer of the Trident Room podcast, Joe Novak.
1: Today, we have the distinct pleasure of having with us uh, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Novak, the executive producer of the Trident Room. And in his distinguished resume, he has been a F-15 pilot, uh, emergency room doctor, and now working on his uh, master's for human systems integration Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: his Ph.D., hopefully, in modeling.
0: Yeah, yeah, modeling simulation. I've I've been very lucky, and NPS has been very good to me.
1: Uh, I got to know, out of these three extremely... uh, in-depth fields, which which have you enjoyed the most and why?
0: I would say that it, it kind of depends, of course. I, I would say that engineering, for me, kind of came most naturally and was the most satisfying. You know, engineering, there's much more of a yes, no, black, white, kind of good enough, not good enough answer. You know, those other two, flying and emergency medicine, there's so many shades of gray, and it's it's kind of anxiety <laughs> producing, you know, uh, but engineering was more or less, there's le- there's shades of gray, of course, but it was more or less, you you know, if you have a right answer and you don't, uh, sorry, you know, if you have a right answer and you know, if you have a wrong answer for the most part, flying though, was just incredibly fun. It was the most fun I've ever, you know, m- most fun stuff I've ever done in my life and incredibly challenging, you know, at, uh, 450 knots and pulling g's with other jets around you with a situation on the ground with a mission to carry out it's very challenging you know you have to get it right there's not uh, room for messing up so it's um but it's just incredibly fun I mean come on flying I mean when we're all kids we, we dream about doing that kind of stuff and doing that kind of flying so I love that so emergency medicine is uh you know Probably the most rewarding work I've done, but it's it's exhausting. You know, like like flying, you have to get it right. But in medicine, you know, what does that mean exactly? Getting it right. Obviously, if someone's dying in front of you, saving their life, yeah, you got it right. But when there's when it's a slightly less emergent, you can uh, you can do things to kind of stave off death or morbidity, and you can look like a hero. But it might not be the right thing to do. Meaning that. To be a good doctor, to be a good doctor, you you have to spend the time and not necessarily do more tests, not necessarily make the patient happy. You need to treat the pathology. And if you were to kind of get a hundred tests, you know, you look like a hero. If you give them, you know, 20 antibiotics and this and that, ah, the patient loves you, right? Because this doctor really cares. He's giving me all the medicine, but you're actually doing harm. You're actually um, you, you're you're causing problems because typically you don't need twenty medications. Typically, if you do tests that are unwarranted or unnecessary, you can find incidentals that then need more tests, and that can result in problems. You know, interventions that hurt people. So, so being in an ER doc is incredibly rewarding, but uh, but exhausting. Um,
1: Out of all these three career fields. Uh, which one were were you dreaming of doing when you were growing up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio?
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I, uh, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, my dad was an engineer, and, uh, you know, he loved his job, and uh, I just saw engineers as is just making things happen you know Uh, obviously when I was a kid I didn't realize this but uh, now looking back you know engineers are the ones who who translate science into reality engineers are the ones who change everything around us for the good of us right engineers are the ones who implement public health engineers are the ones who 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 created cell phones and these microphones and all this it's
1: it's the engineers who did this I gotta ask that why what changed your mind to wanting to pursue uh, being a pilot in the first place?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I was in school studying engineering, and uh, and I loved it, mechanical and aerospace engineering. And I I was in ROTC, and it was a great detachment. I really felt like I found a home. And uh, initially I wanted to be, you know, in some research labs or what have you. But then I I started looking around, and I, I kind of realized that you know, engineering's awesome, but engineering will kind of always be there. Flying, on the other hand, being a tactician, you know, being at the pointy end of the spear is, it has a, it has a expiration date. You know, you can only do it for a certain amount of time, and you kind of need to decide early. And so I started thinking, you know, I think I want to be a pilot. Not only that, but, you know, looking forward, I knew that, that could never be taken away from me. I could always be, I could always use that 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 flying experience and apply it to engineering later on. And so, kind of for that reason, I went. And, and you know, well, actually, the other reason is, you know, the, you know, if we're going to simplify things, not to, not to alienate anyone, but the Air Force is there to make planes fly, and planes fly by with pilots. The Army's there. Okay, for a variety of reasons, but you need infantrymen, you need uh, tank operators, the Navy, you need SWOs, you need submariners, et cetera. I wanted to kind of do what the Air Force does. I wanted to get as deep into the, the, the heart of the Air Force as possible. Once again, not to alienate anyone, but this is me kind of recalling when I was a cadet in college and, and thinking it through.
1: I mean, you're just saying what pretty much every person on the street thinks. Oh, you're in the Air Force? <laughs> You must be a a pilot. Yeah, right. Yeah, that kind of thing. um, So then what geared you towards uh, pursuing medicine after uh, your time as a pilot?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I I started, ironically, I started thinking about that in college. So I already had my uh, kind of pilot training spot. I was already in route, uh, I knew the base I'm going to, you know, Shepard Air Force Base for 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 UPT. But ironically, or not ironically, but just strangely, I, I took a astrophysics course. And this astrophysics course dealt with, you know, astrophysics, so you get a h- bunch of hydrogen atoms in space, they start twirling around, stars happen, planets happen, people happen, et cetera. So then I, I kind of started looking inside looking closer not not way out there in space but looking closer what kind of emulates that amazing system i i I learned about in astrophysics and i started thinking about the human the human right you give us oxygen you give us water you give us food and bam this amazing being happens with all the amazing incredible things we can do not only that but like the engineering of the human is phenomenal the most beautiful machine on earth and so i started thinking well kind of that's interesting I'm I'm on this path I'm going to be a pilot but let's keep that in the hip pocket maybe I can do that at some point maybe I could be a physiologist or I can you know kind of do medicine in along the line of uh, you know there's pilot training and then next comes what's called introduction to fighter fundamentals when I was at IFF I met a a pilot who was also a doctor and I thought wow that's odd and how cool I started to talking to him, and I learned there's this thing called the pilot physician program. The Navy calls it the dual designator program or you know they're dual designators. We are pilot physicians in the Air Force. And so I started looking into that and I thought, "Oh yeah, I got to do this." Um, you know, there's a reason that the Air Force has pilot physicians. They do an incredible job in what they're intended for. And so I started kind of going down that path. It was still, you know, I, this was a, a decades long plan or years long plan because, you know, you have to get seasoned in the jet and, and then you can apply to this program and then you could go to med school, et cetera, et cetera. But it's something that, that's that's how I came to it basically.
1: So you saw the opportunity and you like, I can't pass this up.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. and that's, God, the military has so many of those. I mean, we're here at NPS and DLI because the military has these crazy uh, opportunities. and. They're just left and right. There's just, I mean, you can't live enough. There's not enough time in one's life to to uh, take advantage of all these opportunities.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. In your time at being a pilot, was there something that you did or something that you learned that helped you in your career as a as a physician or in your uh, in your studies for your PhD and masters? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, everything. <laughs> so, so as far as flying, there are just heaps of analogies to the world of emergency medicine particularly you know resuscitations and when i say resuscitations i mean they're dying in front of you you know you have a trauma uh, patient or you have an elderly chf patient or whatever who's not able to breathe these are emergent situations where the md the or the do the the doc has to take control of the situation, has to figure out what's going on, has to determine a course of action, and has to execute it, all the while looking at dozens of inputs, feeding on years of experience, and coordinating a team of many different individuals of different um, kind of skill levels. So, in fact, the the first podcast I ever did was uh, on an emergency medicine podcast where I was talking about this exact question, like what you can take from the f- world of fighter pilots to translate to emergency medicine. And and yeah, probably, I mean, there's several things, but probably one of, the, one of the biggest nuggets was that leadership is key. You have to take control of the situation and you have to run the team because if the MD or DO isn't running the resuscitation there's a vacuum of leadership, and bad things can happen to the patient. So, so yeah, in, in that regard, lots of translations from flying to medicine. And, in fact, it's a, a big area of focus or area of study among just in medicine in general. And not only pilots, but um, in the British Medical Journal, there was several articles talking about uh, kind of modeling a resuscitation by looking at a, a soft team or a marine platoon with lots of things changing, lots of different people, the fog of war, you know, the fog of medicine happening um, and, and how to save lives using the same kind of principles that special ops teams or marine teams use. Um, as far as the PhD and uh, masters, yeah, I would say flying help, flying help teach me the importance of asking the question, why? You know, you have to ask why several times, kind of like a five-year-old, right? You ask why like 10 times, and there's some wisdom to that. You get to the root of the issue. So the point of of getting a PhD is to learn the skills and tools necessary to solve problems that haven't been solved before, to figure out new ways of solving problems, to figure out new methods of solving previously unsolvable problems.
1: So uh, what about from uh, either aviation or medicine? Is there any overlap between either of those fields with your current studies? Yes, absolutely.
0: The, you know, as far as kind of aviation overlaps to the, the PhD and the master's work, I would say that aviation helped me think through problems and determine the best course of action. So with flying, for example, you got to think through, you know, when you're dogfighting, okay, if he does this, I'll do this. If uh, if he does this, I'll do that. If if my radar's degraded, I got to do that. So there's, you know, thousands of possibilities and permutations of things you need to think through and then figuring out heuristics so that when you're executing, right, when you're in the jet and you have to do it, You can't think. There's no time to think at, you know, 400 knots and 8 Gs or whatever. You have to just execute. But you're executing based on this library of knowledge you've amassed uh, from previous flying hours and just thinking things through. For the PhD, that's just the start. But because now there's no limit to the options, right? And that is, that can be overwhelming. But uh, the kind of aviation and medicine helped me with the beginning, kind of step one, if you will, of, 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 of uh, dissertation work, because now, right, in, in the PhD work, there is, there's just no limit. And so um, that's the role of the PhD is to figure out the solution from starting from scratch, right? The, the whole point of a PhD and, 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 having PhDs in the military is to be able to take them and have them solve problems that have previously been unsolved. And so, yeah, I guess in that way, uh, aviation medicine kind of helped prepare me.
1: That's amazing. Um, So uh, you've briefly discussed uh, the focus of your PhD and master's with me before. If you were to meet a stranger on an (laughs) elevator, how would you explain it to him? Yeah, I mean,
0: I suppose if I want to bore the stranger, I'll, I'll bring this up. But uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited about it. My, my master's work is continuing the work of just a phenomenal Air Force PhD student who was here previously, Matt Taranto. We, I talked with him in episode two, actually. He did uh, just an amazing job. W- what I'm doing for the master's is quantifying the human in a new way in a way that has units, in a way that engineers can use, and relating that quantification of the human, or specifically the human's resources, like, excuse me, spatial awareness, whatever, bicep strength, um, multi-limb coordination, and relating that to their task performance, their ultimate task performance. So now you can kind of predict how someone's gonna do on a task by just knowing what resources they bring to that task. And this hasn't been done before, to my knowledge, uh, prior to Matt Taranto and some of his uh, predecessors. What I'm doing is taking that to the next step and optimizing it. The goal of HSI, which my master's degree is focused on, is to maximize total system performance and minimize cost. That, those words there, are perfectly aligned for an uh, operations research optimization problem. Matt Taranto's work, Dr. Taranto's work, Sets us up to be able to use the tools of operations research to actually optimize total system performance and minimize cost. So it's super exciting. It's it's the first time I've seen that uh, kind of work being possible, and it's it's been made possible by Toronto and Tavarianis before him and a few others, Kundraski, etc. So that's the that's the masters for the PhD, and this is where it's really exciting. Uh, there is now a possibility to hardwire the human into systems design. So what I mean by that is, digital engineering and model-based systems engineering are all the rage right now in the defense acquisition lifecycle. General Mattis, when he was Secretary of Defense in 2018, he put out a paper saying, "Let's go down this way," and the Air Force and the services, other services, have embraced this. So. We are doing model-based systems engineering for systems, for tanks, for planes, et cetera. But the human still isn't being modeled in MBSC, uh, kind of in the MBSC language, if you will. So using Taranto's work, I am, with my committee, am looking into how can we model the human, so that it is a constraint on the system. It pushes back on the system when the system wants to do things that are incompatible with the human. So for example, if kind of a simple example, if the if the system makes it such that the the human driver of an MRAP or whatever, you know, has like, you know, two feet by two feet by two feet space, it's just not it's just not tenable. If we could model the human in MBSE, then the human can push back on whoever's trying to make that that change on the system i.e to make him not have much space that's just kind of a simple example There's, there's hundreds of other examples, but bottom line is modeling the human in model-based systems engineering so that now the human has a say uh, in the defense acquisition life cycle.
1: Okay, so usually they just make equipment first and then worry about how the human's going to fit in it later if at all and if your research goes forward from now on, hopefully, they will think about that in their equation when making this equipment.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good summary. Yeah, it, well, but, you know, you read any human factors paper, and in the first chapter, or sorry, in the first paragraph, they're always saying something like the human's considered an afterthought, the human as an afterthought, and you're exactly right. The human, o- the human considerations always get pushed back because because it's expensive to deal with it, because well, there's a variety of reasons. But yeah, your summary was was right. And so this work can hopefully be one of the early steps that in five, 10, 15 years, maybe we can have a sound model of the human so that systems are designed around the human, instead of the human being plugged into and pushed into and forced into a system, a system that's not a, you know, a system that, you know, you have to, um, spend hundreds of hours training the human to work or that you have to, or that you have to select very specific people to just even fit in the system, for example.
1: Yeah. I mean, the humans are the ones that are going to be fighting the wars, so. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, the the CNO and others have said, yeah, and that's how we're going to win the next war. That's what the CNO and others have said, is that it's our people, it's our human capital that's going to win the next war. And I feel that this is this work can be part of that.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. And I think really groundbreaking and important work. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, I mean, you beat me to my next question. I was going to ask, what kind of uh, return on investment is the Air Force and the DOD getting on a Physician, pilot, PhD, the the million dollar man, almost literally. <laughs>
0: well, thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we're so blessed to be here at NPS. You know, we are we are being paid to go to school, and so I take that very seriously, and that's why I jumped on this. I could have done the masters and been done with it, but this opportunity presented itself and this PhD work can close the loop on what Taranto started, what my master's work does, and what needs to be done next. It could close the loop so we can present kind of a a finished solution or a, a finished product to to be taken forward to the next step. And so, right, my hope is that with the investment of me being here, that uh, the DOD will see millions and ultimately billions of dollars in the future. I mean, I, that's a bit magnanimous and in, in, in probably overstating it, I, there's still, lots and lots and lots of work to be done, but hopefully we're getting the foundations set so that it can be taken to the next level.
1: Yeah, sounds like it's going to be, but uh, how much time and effort you have been putting into this? Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah.
0: Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. This episode was recorded July 26th, 2021. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash